You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Welcome to Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie if you want for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item so you get one free item for penis havers one free item for vulva havers one free item for couples and then you also get six free movies from the adameve.com website you can get your favorite porn or an educational film i love free movies they're so awesome this is such a great deal and then on top of that you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So to redeem this great offer, what you're gonna do is you're gonna go to adameve.com, you're gonna go to checkout, and you're gonna type in darkpod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you're gonna get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off, and then you're gonna get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to adameve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language 
content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on all things disability. And today is one where we're going to shine a bright light on everything disability, sexuality, and everything in between. So, get comfy, cozy, and crippled, and let's get the show started. My name's Andrew Gerza. I'm your disabled Dick Smith. Let's do this. Before we get started, I want to tell you about a really cool thing that happened with the show recently. Let me tell you all about it. So, I was asked a few months ago by the Webby Awards out of New York, the biggest digital awards show in the world. They asked me to submit Disability After Dark for to, to be submitted for an award this year. And I was like, well, that's really cool. And so I submitted a trailer of the show to them about, I want to say, three some months ago I submitted that to them. And I figured, oh, okay, well, it's, it's really nice to be to be nominated and uh, to be asked, and I will, um, I'll submit it and whatever. And then, just the other day, just the other day, I opened up my email box, and I saw that, um, I saw that they had not nominated me for an award, but they had considered me an honoree of the twenty fourth annual Webby Awards, which only happens to twenty percent of the the people who submit their work. That's amazing. So many people have been honored at the Webbies. People like Hannah Hart. P- big celebrities have been honored there for their work. People like the Try Guys have been honored there. Podcasts that I listen to like And That's Why We Drink have been, have been awarded there. And to be nominated under diversity and inclusion was really cool. They're going to send me a plaque with Disability After Dark on it, which is really... Super cool, because again, as you all know, I make this little show from my bedroom, and I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I never think it's going it's, to... It, it will have reached the, the heights that it has, and it's all because you, as the listener, want this kind of content, and you want this kind of stuff in your ear holes every week, and you are craving for disability representation, and I am so happy and honored that I get to be one of the many voices you can you can listen to that brings disability representation to podcast land and I'm proud that I get to be one of them. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you to the Webbies for honoring me within the diversity and inclusion part of that. I cannot wait to show you the plaque all over my socials when it comes in a few weeks. Thank you, thank you. But now let's get to the show today. First things first, if you want to be a guest on the show in any capacity, if you want to come on and talk about sex, if you're disabled and you want to talk about sex, if you're not disabled and you want to talk about sex and disability, I want you on the show. As long as we can weave it into disability and bring disability back to the conversation, you are welcome on the show. I'd love to talk with you. So if you are somebody who is not disabled and you have a lot of questions and you want to come on the show and just ask me a bunch of disability questions for an hour... I want to have you on the show. If you're disabled and you want to come and rant and rave about some ableist things that happen to you in the bedroom, 
I want to have you on the show. So hit me up at disabilityafterdark@gmail.com. You can also right now apply to be on my COVID and chill um, quarantine and chill series rather, which which is already which is already hit up to like nine, almost ten episodes have been recorded. So that's really cool, and we're all going through this weird pandemic together, right? And I want to make sure we get disability perspectives there. So, if you want to be on the show in any capacity, on a COVID, on a quarantine and chill, or on a regular Disability After Dark episode, or if you want to come on an episode that has nothing to do with sex, but you want to bring it on the show, and you want to just talk about disability, let's do that. So, email me, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com, follow me on the socials at it's Andrew Gerza, and let's keep this conversation going. But now, really... On to the topic of today. As you've heard me say a few times on this show, I use a Hoyer lift and or a ceiling lift to get into bed. And then I realized that maybe there were a bunch of people out there who when I said Hoyer lift and when I told, so talked about what a lift was, they were like, I don't even know what that looks like. I have no idea what that is. And they might have been confused about what is Andrew talking about? What does that look like? And I know I've talked about it briefly in other shows, but I wanted to do a deep dive today into how to help your disabled lover into bed so you can have all the sexy times and or how to help your lover or your disabled partner just transfer it all and what that, what that might look like. So I figured for an episode today, we would look at some of the ways you can help your disabled lover get into bed for those sexy moments and also, some of the history behind the techniques and the devices people use to get into bed, the transfer devices, and what, the, and where, where they came from, and why that's important. So, that's what the episode's going to be today. Episode 190 already. We're already at 190 official episodes with, the, with a bunch of bonus episodes and minisodes in between. We're already at 190, almost 200 official full episodes. Holy fuck, wow. Um, but yeah, today we're going to look at how to help your disabled lover into bed. So maybe you've been in a situation where you've met somebody with a disability and you're, you want to go back to their home and, and fool around, or you're, maybe you're a sex worker and you've, you're working with a client for the very first time with who has disabilities, and you get to their home and... Things are going really good, and then they say, like, hey, maybe I need to be lifted out of my chair to have sex. Um, can you help me with that? Or I need to get on the bed. How do we do that? And maybe that scared you, and you were like, oh, man, I can't do that. I got to bail. I got to leave. I can't. Oh, no, it's too much. I've, I've had lovers who, when I said I need to be lifted, they get all they got all really concerned really quickly and wanted to leave. Um or maybe you thought when your disabled lover said I need to be lifted in the bed, maybe you were like, cool, where's your nurse? Where's your attendant? Why can't they help you with that? Where are they? Um, well, you know, not a lot of people like to involve their attendant care workers in their sex lives. And maybe they couldn't get their attendant at that moment. So I wanted to kind of give some tips and tricks on how to help your disabled lover into bed to put you to make you less nervous about helping your disabled lover get into bed and to make that anxiety around, oh my goodness, if I have to lift them or something, will I hurt them? What do I do? So I wanted to bring to bring some tips and tricks and 
talk about all the lifting devices today. Um, first things first, before you do anything with respect to lifting or transferring or even touching your disabled partner in any way, please, please make sure as part of our consent narrative, but particularly around disability and consent, please make sure you you fully communicate with your disabled partner what is going to happen and what you're doing as you're doing it. We all know that communication is extremely important in sexuality conversations already, um, particularly in sexuality and consent, and it's important in the disability relationship. But unfortunately, when it comes to the care relationship sometimes and taking care of somebody, there is sometimes a misconception that uh, because you're helping somebody physically, there's implied consent, which means that you can simply do the transfer without asking them or without talking to the disabled person, and they're, they're simply expected to know what's happening. And that kind of sucks. And so make sure before you do anything with the transfer, you talk to the disabled person. You discuss it with them, and you let them know exactly what's happening. This kind of implied consent idea of, like, because the able-bodied person's helping you, even in a sexy situation, just because you're able-bodied doesn't mean you get to decide things. I, I feel like it's important to remember that disabled people have rights, and if they don't want to be touched right at that moment, they have the right to not be touched. So just because you maybe help them get into bed, make sure you communicate with them like they're a person. You're not doing them some giant favor by getting them to bed. I mean, you are doing them a favor, but you're not lessening their ability to tell you that what they need and to tell you what they want in that situation. So just make sure you keep an open mind and keep the keep the conversation flowing and let them know exactly what you're doing. Um, we need to be checking in with disabled people more because one wrong move as somebody is trying to lift a disabled person, particularly somebody with a complex disability, and I think I mentioned this way back in the how to have sexy bathtub time episode. Um, if you lift somebody the wrong way, it could be very, very dangerous, and it could it could really hurt somebody yourself as the non-disabled partner and them for sure. Nobody wants to call nine one one and be like, "Hey, I was trying to lift my sexy disabled lover into bed, and I hurt them, and I really, really hurt them." And nobody wants to do that. So just make sure that the communication is wide open. You may be thinking, Andrew, if I'm in a sexual situation with my disabled lover and they want me to lift them into bed, how do I, how do I walk them through this and how do I like, keep the conversation flowing about what they need, but also how do I do this without killing the mood? How do I, how do I keep it really sexy and how do, I, how do I stay turned on if I have to walk them through what I'm doing with regards to a lift? And that's a really great and important question. And let me tell you, you can do it. You can say things like, Hey baby, I'm going to put your sling on now, but before I do, can I kiss you or touch you? I mean, that was a silly thing that I just kind of wrote there, but it's a really fun way to check in and let your disabled lover know what's happening regarding a transfer. And also double checking on, on consent just to make sure that everybody's on the line with what's happening and everyone's happy there. But you can definitely be like, hey, I'm going to move your leg now. Is it all right if I go in a bit further and touch you here? Like, it's, you, can, you have to be creative, of course, but you can use your, 
You can use your language to discuss things like the sling and moving and positioning in a sexy way. I personally love it when guys are getting ready to play with me and are putting on my sling and are kissing me and being really playful about that. It makes me feel way less clinical and allows for me to be in the moment with them. Usually when I put on the sling, it's with a care worker or it's in a very sterilized environment where care is happening. And so when I get to put on the sling with a lover, it's a very, very sensual moment for me and I try to be really present there because for once the sling isn't being used just for care. It's being used in a a sensual sort of way that I really, really respond to and I think it's it can be done in a really sexy way. So it is totally possible to have a conversation and let your disabled lover know what you're doing before you transfer them in a way that is still sexy and keeps the mood going. Alright, now I want to look at some of the ways you could lift your disabled partner into bed and how to add some sensuality into each lift or moment with a lift device while not hurting yourself as you lift them into bed. One of the most common ways to lift somebody into bed for for a very long time when we were dealing with disabled bodies was the manual lift. Now, as a disabled person who's into big, strong, sexy, lumberjackish men, I think the manual lift has been present in a large majority of my personal sex fantasies since I was about 13 years old. I've, I've consistently had a fantasy of like some really like tattooed, bearded, muscle daddy guy lifting me out of my chair and like throwing me down on a, on, a, on a bed and, like, making passionate love to me. That's something that I've dreamed about since I was literally 13 years old. Um, and I've always loved the idea of being wrapped up and cared for by big muscular arms. It, made me, it makes me feel, like, safe for some reason. So I guess maybe that's why I have an affinity for firemen. Woof. I mean, I really love firemen. It's a thing I'm really into. Um... But I want to look at what is the right way to manually lift a disabled person into bed. And I wanted to share with you what I found. The most common type of manual lift that I saw for one able-bodied person who's trying to carry someone is to help a disabled person by carrying them in the fireman's carry, which is you put your arm underneath their leg and underneath their back or the crux of their back and you lift straight up and you hold them up that way and so that's one of the most common ways of doing a manual lift to help your lover into bed so hey sexy volunteer fireman out there do you want to carry a hot cripple over the threshold let me know let me know one of the things that I saw when I was looking into how one could carry their lover into bed was that some people could carry their lover on their back. They could get them to grab, grab them onto their shoulders and lift. I think that's hot, and I think that's a really sexy idea for a lift, but I don't think it's super possible because if your partner has limited grabbing and dexterity issues, it could be super dangerous to ask them to hold on when they might not be stable enough to hold on. 
and also getting my hips around somebody and wrapping my legs around somebody. My hips are shit, so that would really hurt me, and I wouldn't enjoy that at all. Um, they, my hips would not be happy in the least. So that's a, that's a transfer that I wouldn't recommend. I would say the fireman's carry is the safest way to do it. Um, if you're gonna be a, if you're gonna be one person carrying your disabled lover to bed, the the fireman's carry for sure. One of the very first things I found for, was from a training manual for caregivers and attendants on how to lift somebody out of their wheelchair. And I was really upset and kind of concerned when I saw this in in, in a official manual for caregivers and for attendants on how to properly lift. I was looking for tips and tricks on how to lift. And what I found was this this manual that said that if you're, if the person you're lifting is being, quote, uncooperative, you shouldn't lift them. And it also suggested that if the patient was too heavy, they shouldn't be manually lifted. I understand the heavy part. I understand that if, if someone is unable to bear weight and can't really help you with lifting, and they are technically too heavy for you to lift, I totally get that and I support that. But I think the too heavy comment was really fatphobic, and I think they should have worded that a different way. I also think that when they put right in the right in the manual in the first tab that if the disabled person is being uncooperative, that would suggest that um, if they're not being cooperative, they you know must be they must be bad. They must not listen to the able-bodied person, and it just felt super ableist and kind of gross, and I thought, well, maybe maybe a disabled person is being uncooperative because they can't communicate with language or, their, or words, or maybe they're being uncooperative because their body is in immense pain due to the transfer, or maybe they're being uncooperative because they didn't consent to you touching them. I just think that to have, to have literally a, a bullet point that says, if the person who's being uncooperative don't lift them. I was like, wow, that's super ableist and, and caregivers and attendants should not be being given that kind of advice. And we need to look at how we treat disabled people when they're being lifted. Exactly what I just spoke about. If you don't talk to the disabled person to find out why they're being, quote, uncooperative during a lift, maybe, maybe you are in the wrong there. You should talk to the disabled person first. But to put the idea of a disabled person being uncooperative as the first thing you see is a huge you see like in this training manual was a huge problem for me. It really, really upset me to see the first bullet point being uncooperative. I, I just was like, wow, that's super ableist. But I did find another resource that said from the, and they were the Mobility International USA resource talking about how to lift somebody. And they said that, in their first bullet point, they said that lifting somebody or manually carrying somebody is actually emotionally taxing and uncomfortable for the disabled person, really, really scary, and should only be considered as a last resort. So you should always look into using a proper lifting technique or using a an electronic hoist or using a, a, a Hoyer lift or all those things first before you actually consider 
carrying somebody, and that's from Mobility International USA suggests that. So it's something we should talk about. And I agree, being lifted places or being lifted upstairs, and I've been lifted up and down friends' houses stairs for house parties, and I've been lifted um, up and down stairs at clubs where I couldn't technically technically get my wheelchair in. People have offered to lift me, and it's really scary because you're in a position where if somebody falters and you fall or they fall or something happens, you're fucked. Or if you hurt somebody because you're too heavy and they hurt their back and then they bemoan about it, that makes you feel really upset that you would hurt somebody, that your disabled body caused somebody to have pain. That sucks. And it is super emotionally taxing and super um, super hard to navigate. So I think that it is important to recognize that being carried by somebody is not just a simple carry. It's, there's a lot of emotional stuff that goes into the idea of having someone carry you. And so that that's why when I see training manuals that say things like, if the person's uncooperative, don't carry them, it's like, do you know what the fuck that person may be feeling about being carried? You have no idea. But I really appreciate that Mobility International USA put the put the feelings of the disabled person first and explain that the experience of being lifted and being manually carried does have emotional weight to it. But if you're going to lift your disabled lover manually and you and you and your disabled lover have made the decision that you both feel safe to do this, here are some things to consider if you are the non-disabled partner to the disabled lover and you want to try this lift. Here's what you should consider. The, the points I found said that you should never lift above your shoulder height. And I assume that means basically you don't want to lift a gimp over your head. You don't want to do like a super high lift. I feel like that's unsafe for everyone. Don't really do that. And so just don't lift a gimp over your head. Don't, don't bench press a cripple. You don't got to do that. Um, then you should keep all of your body weight and the body weight of the person you're lifting close to you. And I thought this was really important because not only is that a great tip for a safe, a safer manual lift, but it also is a really great tip to create some intimacy. So like if you're holding your disabled lover who you need to lift into bed and you're holding them against your body, this can probably lend itself to a really sexy makeup session and can certainly build on the intimacy you want to have with your disabled lover and could be really hot. It could be really sexy. And now I'm having a fantasy of like the hot fireman holding me against his bare chest in his uniform. It's okay that I'm having that fantasy, but that's what I want in my life. Just a hot fireman to carry me bare chested in a bed. Can can someone make that happen, please? Please. Um, but if you're going to, if you're going to, hold your disabled lover close to your body and you want to make out doing this, as I've said before, please make sure you pay attention when you're holding the person and making out. Just make sure you're making out, but you're also aware of what their body's doing, what your body's doing, and that you can sustain that hold while you're making out for a long time. Or, or for a few seconds, rather. Don't, don't, like, plan to stand there holding their dead weight for, like, five minutes. Maybe a couple makeouts and then go to the bed, but like just, you know, be be aware of your space and your body as you're doing this lift. 
I would say you also want to have a lot of pillows and cushions on the bed prior to the transfer. And I think I mentioned this in the hotel episode a while back. You want to have pillows and things on the bed to ensure that the person you're carrying has a safe landing and feels comfortable when you do the transfer. You also want to bend with your knees and you want to keep your back as straight as possible when you do a manual lift like that. And so focus on that before you focus on how hot your disabled partner is. I would also recommend, and a lot of this I saw in the literature that I read, that when you're doing a manual lift for your partner, you want to have a firm hold. And as much as I want you to have a firm hold on every other part of my body, having a firm hold on my body, in my whole body as we're doing this lift, is really, really important to double check. Disabled bodies can have spasms at inopportune moments and can can flail about when we don't want them to, and that can be really dangerous and really uncomfortable for both parties. So you really want to make sure you double check that as you're lifting somebody. I had a lover once try to lift me, just like do a deadlift onto the bed as we were like making out, and it was kind of hot for a second. And then he didn't have a hold of me right, and so halfway through the sexy lift, we ended up on the floor, and I like bruised my arm or something. And I was lucky enough to be okay, and so was he. But I remember having to call my attendant in and be like, um, hey, so my dick's out and my attendant, like, my, my lover's here with me. Can you help me out? And she, like, came up running and, and she she laughed for, like, three days and was like, Andrew, what the fuck were you doing? And I was like, oh, I was trying to get laid. Sorry. So, like, when you're, and the poor guy felt so mortified that he had basically dropped me on the floor. So just make sure that when you're doing the lift, you have a firm hold of your disabled lover. One of the other things that I saw noted for proper manual lifts was to lift as smoothly as possible. And I think this means that you try to lift in one solid motion. And I think that's really important. A lot of people, when they try to lift me, when they have tried to lift me, have tried to do it in two or three spurts or starts. And it can be really hard on both the lifter and the lifty here. Try to do it if you're able to in one swift motion. And if you can't, just say you can't, and then we'll find another way to lift, and it's fine. Because usually, if you're dealing with somebody with complex disabilities, they have a higher lift available, and they have things available to them, and they maybe have attendant care that can also help you. So look into those options first as you're discussing the kind of lift you want to do. But if you feel confident on how to lift somebody, take those tips. The key injuries to someone performing a lift of a disabled person tend to happen from the following. Repeated lifting of the person, so the same motions over and over again. The same strenuous motion over and over again, so if you're like doing a lot of pulling and moving and turning and twisting. Um, the key injuries that a disabled person might sustain, I saw a lot of injuries of what the uh, non-disabled person can sustain, so like a sore back, neck injuries, arm injuries, um, uh, muscle muscles being pulled. One of my attendants was off on leave for two weeks this past couple weeks ago because of back injuries. So you really want to be careful. Um, but I didn't see a lot of key injuries that a disabled person might sustain. So I wrote down what I think could happen to a disabled person if they were lifted wrong. And I also think 
that bleeds into our ableism about care, we need to focus on the injuries that a disabled person could sustain, not just the carer, the disabled person too. So, so the key injuries that I think a disabled person might sustain from an improper lift are fractures. Fractures are a big one. You could easily fracture an arm or a leg or a toe or something. Breaks. You can break an arm or leg or, or a bone or something. Um, head injuries. If you if you carry somebody the wrong way, they could fall and hit their head on something, and that, that could just lead to head injuries. And I think one of the key injuries that a disabled person might also sustain is it might instill in them a fear of, of being transferred again, and that can be really hard because, like we talked about, how being being lifted is emotionally taxing, how do you make somebody feel comfortable being lifted if they've been dropped before? How do you make your disabled lover feel safe in your hot fireman arms if they've been dropped before? Um, so I think that's something we have to be mindful of. If, if a lift is done improperly, it can have lasting effects on how the disabled person feels about being carried again. But I want to move on to um, talking about the mechanical lifts and the mechanical transfer aids that disabled people use and what they are and how they how they came to be and, and how, how they work. So that if you have to use them, you know what to do. The first one that I want to talk about is one of the most popular transfer devices that most disabled people will use and one that you will probably use at some point to help get your disabled lover into bed and that's called a Hoyer lift. It is almost identical, pretty much the same exact design as an automotive engine hoist and it was patented that way. It was patented by somebody named R.R. Stratton in 1955 which means that the Hoyer lift and the idea of lifting disabled people out of their beds and all those things have been in the works for 65 years. Wow, that's a lot of that's a lot of, of years of lifting people in and out of in and out of beds. Um, and I really hope that somebody has talked about Hoyer lifts in a sexy manner in all those 65 years. And if they haven't, I hope that I'm the first one. But um, yeah, 65 years. And I'll put a picture of exactly what a Hoyer lift looks like on my social media on the disaft dark pod twitter and on the it's andrew gerza social media i'll put a picture of the hoyer lift on so you get an idea of what it is but the hoyer lift looks like a big kind of metal portable crane that has two metal legs and a crane like neck with i'm looking at mine right now has uh has a crane like neck with four or five prongs metal prongs on either side of the crane-like neck to connect to a sling. The neck can be cranked or automated up and down. So there's two types of, sli of, of Hoyer lifts. There's a manual one which you have to automatically crank and there's an electric one which can go up and down by itself with a button which, which lends itself to getting the disabled person to help you if you want them to do the button or give them that independence. But there, there are two options for a Hoyer lift, the crank and the automated one. Um, the Hoyer lift was meant to revolutionize the patient care and caregiving industries, and in many ways, it has. They're in almost every hospital everywhere, even if 
the hospital doesn't always want to use them, which I got to tell you, when I've been in the hospital, and I think I mentioned this a couple times on the show, when I've been in the hospital, many times they don't want to use them, which I think is silly because they are meant to protect the, the disabled person and the person performing the transfer. So they're really important pieces of equipment that disabled people need. Um, surprisingly, they can be quite costly. The Hoyer lift can run anywhere from 1200 to $4,500 per device, which is kind of ridiculous when you consider that the, the automotive engine that the Hoyer lift is based on and created after only runs about 200 to 400 US dollars at a at a at a hardware store or a, 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 a hardware shop where you would get something like that it only runs about 200 to 400 dollars so why is the Hoyer lift like 4500 dollars it's just further proof that the care industry is gouging disabled people who really really need this equipment and if a Hoyer lift is the only way that my sexy lover can get me into bed, I want to be able to afford it. So, kind of let me wa- let me let me guide you through now on how you can help your disabled lover get into bed to have those sexy times using a Hoyer lift. If your disabled lover is a wheelchair user and will assume for this hypothetical that they are a wheelchair user, you would want to have them line their wheelchair in line between the legs of the Hoyer Hoyer lift. So you want to make sure that the wheelchair is, is, is in between the Hoyer lift and they're set up that way. Um, And so then what you would do is you can get the, the legs of the Hoyer lift can move in and out. There's a, there's a, lever where it can move in and out. Um, the Hoyer lift also has been called the jack hoist, which seems kind of appropriate given that this is a sex podcast. So when I read that, I was like, they should call the Hoyer lift the jack me off hoist, which I think is a much better name. So you would then get your lover to... Um, Put their wheelchair between the legs of the of the jack me off hoist, and you would then uh, you would then help your disabled lover put on a sling that would be attached to the prongs on the crane-like neck, so your disabled lover can be transferred safely. So, again, you'll see a picture of this, and I'll even post a video so that it makes more sense. But you want your lover to be. In between the legs of the Hoyer lift, you want them to have um, their their head kind of eye level with the the crane leg neck, and you want them to be ready to put on the sling. Now, the sling that you would use to put them in in the Hoyer lift can be many slings can be extremely different in shape, size, and material, and this can make someone this can make helping someone getting in the sling for the first time really daunting because every sling is a little bit different. Every sling is a snowflake and that it's really different for every single person, how it fits their body. Um, and it can make the idea of helping somebody like, oh, wow, that's a lot of, those are a lot of steps. How do we do this? Oh, goodness. So 
just be aware of that when you're working with a sling to be aware that it, it it may take some time to get used to that. Also, some of the original slings they used for people to be transferred in in oil lifts, they were really scary looking. I used to have one and it was like a white material, plastic material, hard plastic, and it had like metal, like carabiners on the side of it and it was really archaic and scary I'll find a picture and I'll put it on the social media um I hated it it looked like a torture device and I was always scared of it although now given uh given you know my kind of proclivity for BDSM and leather stuff I might be into it but at the when I was way younger I wasn't I was always scared of it because it looked really scary um the modern slings are typically made out of mesh, and they're bright blue and very, very color-coded. All the straps are color-coded. They're meant to be soft and comfortable, but if they're used incorrectly or put on the wrong way, they can be really uncomfortable to the disabled person. The blue mesh slings can be really damaging to the, to the skin if they're not put on the right way, so I'll explain to you how to do it correctly in a minute. Um, I use a sling that is made out of really soft, silky parachute material, but sometimes it can be really, really slippery, which makes it really hard for for somebody who's putting it on, particularly my, you know, any of my sex workers or lovers who are putting it on to help me get into bed. It can be really hard to, to navigate that. So I really wish that, that the slings would be easier for the carers so that if I did have a one night stand and I want to show them how to put on a sling, I can do it without all the, without all the trouble. But hopefully these next tips will help you. Um, I really wish that these companies would, who make these slings also would really consult properly with the disabled user base before they just put these things on the market to make sure that they're comfortable and they're what they actually want. Because um, it just, it, they can be so uncomfortable if used incorrectly and it's really hard when you're the disabled person being put in a sling to be transferred. It's really hard to give somebody a proper direction when you can't necessarily see what's happening to you. Um, but let me give you some tips on how to put the sling on a person. So to put the sling on somebody, to get them attached to the Hoyer lift, you want to slowly and gently bend your disabled lover forward and put the sling down behind their back. You want to do this so that the sling is the sling is is um, parallel to their the, the base of their shoulders, their shoulder blade and to their their bum, to their coccyx. The sling should be long enough for that to happen. Um, and so when you lean your disabled lover forward to do this, I think these are great moments when where you as the disabled person and the non and your non-disabled partner can really engage in some great foreplay as they're putting the sling on. You can bend over and touch each other. You can like, you know, touch their body as you're doing that. You can really create a bond and create a really sexy connectivity that only disability can give to you. I would also recommend that if you are a disabled person that went to a club and met somebody there and brought them home and you want them to use the sling, I'd recommend that you aren't tipsy, drunk, or high when trying to operate the Hoyer lift. Make sure you sober up just so that everybody can pay attention. 
and you you can feel safe during the transfer. So you've got this laying down behind their shoulder blades and their back and their bum a little bit, and you want to make sure that this that the sling is then placed the bottom half of the sling and the sling comes in like it's a big it basically looks like a giant hammock it looks like a big hammock and there are, are spots for the legs and spots for the two legs you want to make sure that the sling is underneath their legs and that either side is crossed between their legs making you look like you're sitting in a seat and that's how I was taught to do it. You make it look like you make it look like the disabled person is sitting in in a in a mesh seat. So when they go up, that's how they look. At this point, you would be ready to start the transfer. Before you start the transfer, either with the crank or automated Hoyer lift, double check, triple check with your partner that nothing is caught anywhere and everything feels secure. This is a big tip because if something is caught somewhere that's not gonna feel super nice and nobody wants that I had a sex worker once we had just fucked for like two hours and they were putting me back in my they were putting me back in my chair I think or trying to put me in the sling and they mangled my balls up during the they mangled my balls up in the sling during the transfer and when they went to lift me they pretty much sliced my balls in half in the mesh sling and so like I said that mesh sling is supposed to be soft and comfortable. It was not fun in the least. And I mean, I like some intense ball play, but I certainly did not enjoy that in the least. One of the big risks of lifting somebody in a hoyer lift, and one thing that's happened to me a million times when I get transferred in a hoyer lift, is that because the Hoyer lift is all metal and usually when you're having sex you take your shoes off so I'll take my shoes off to be transferred in the Hoyer lift and um, your toes can get caught on the metal things and a lot of disabled people's toes are super sensitive because they don't walk they kind of have like 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 a really thin layer of skin on their toes because they don't ambulate like other people so when their toes hit on something it really really hurts and can cause a lot of pain for the disabled person I wrote down here that it hurts like a bitch and it really truly really does um, so triple check that their toes are not in the way um, it, this has happened to me a number of times during during sexy and non-sexy transfers alike my toes get caught and holy fuck it does not feel very good uh, so just double check on that if your disabled lover does have a man, uh, a crank kind of lift, one where you have to, you have to man manually go up and down with. I think it could also be really hot if you watched, in my case, if I watched the sexy hot fireman crank me up in the lift, I'm there for that. That could totally be foreplay. I want to see more of that. So sexy men with muscles who, or people who want to get muscles who want to lift me in and out of my chair before we have sex. Let's do that. I'm down to watch you lift me. Yeah, hot. Um, I'm there for that. So just another tip. As your disabled lover is being lifted up into the, into the, the, the machine, you want them to be sitting up at kind of a 90-degree angle with their head 
fully supported. If their head is unable to be fully supported because sometimes when you put the sling on it can fall down or be angled in a weird way, if that can happen for you, um, you want to support their head with your hand. And I've had sex workers and lovers of mine hold my head up as I'm going in the sling. And this is another great way to foster intimacy and to foster a kind of closeness and bond using disability equipment. I think we really should talk more about that, how you foster a bond using disability stuff. So this is one of the ways to do that. If their head is falling and they don't have good neck control, you can hold their head up for them. And you know, guys will always say to me when I say I have a sling, the next thing out of their mouth will be like, ooh, you have a sling, can I fuck you in the sling? And yeah, the fantasy version of me wants to be like, yeah man, that'd be so hot, let's fuck in the sling, let's do that. But realistically, the reality I'd probably have to say is not so much, you probably couldn't fuck me in the sling. I mean, I guess you could lower me down onto your cock in the sling if, I, if you wanted me to bottom for you. Like, maybe that's how I do bottoming. I don't know. But Or maybe you could, like, finger me in the sling or something. But I guess there's a, there's a, I just think there's a lot of work with once you're in the sling, you're kind of meant to only be transferred. And unless you were, like, able to do some really big acrobatics, you fucking me in this thing would be super complicated. Um, I also think it would be really hard to do any frontal kind of sexy touching in the sling because of the way you're sitting in the sling, especially for penis-having individuals. Um, uh, sitting in a sling, you know, your legs are in a very certain position, so getting any easy access to, um, to those genitals is really hard when you're in the sling, and believe me, I've tried. Um, usually because the legs are not separated enough in the, in the sling. So I'd love to see an adapter, like a sexy adapter for Hoyer Lift slings. That if, if you wanted to have sex in the Hoyer Lift, you could. Maybe that's a new sexy venture I should explore. Hmm. One of the other major uh, transfer devices that a lot of disabled people use in their homes to get transferred is a ceiling lift. And the ceiling lift is basically a holder lift that is attached to the disabled person's ceiling so that they can have more space and more room to move around in their home and they don't have this big holder lift sitting in their in their in their living room. And my holder lift I have I have both a ceiling lift and a holder lift. And my holder lift takes up about a whole corner of space. So it does take up a lot of room. So a ceiling lift often works better and in terms of sexy times with the ceiling lift it gives you and your lover more of a chance to move around each other and touch each other and have more sexy times with the Hoyer lift you're trying to navigate the Hoyer lift being in the way and how do you make sure that's okay and all those things but with the ceiling lift you have a chance to kind of move around have your non-disabled lover move around you and have it be a lot more spacious for you. And one of the things that I love about having a ceiling lift in my home, and something you've heard my friend and sex worker John Shield talk about, is that they can use the ceiling lift to stabilize themselves on it while I'm giving them a great rim job or a blow job, 
And I'll admit, I take great pride in knowing that these devices that are only ever talked about in the medical sense can be used for such sexy things. I love seeing John get excited when we have hookups and when it wasn't COVID-19 time. I love having John say to me, like, I really enjoy your hoist. I really enjoy that. Um, I really, uh, I really like being able to use your hoist to stabilize myself. And there's a picture from the porn we took, a screenshot that I took of John and I having sex and um, him holding onto the hoist. And I, well, I'll put that on my on my disaft dark Twitter and the Andrew, the it's Andrew Gers of Twitter to show you how important that is because I think it's a really sexy iconic image of a ceiling lift being used in a really sexy way and that's important to notice that and to talk about that. These ceiling lifts usually cost a thousand dollars just to have made and they can be bought a thousand dollars it cost. But for some reason, for disabled people to purchase one, if you need one, they're marked up to about $5,000, which again is just proof that this industry is really gouging disabled people and that needs to stop. Another transfer device that some people use is called a turner or sometimes known as a sit-to-stand device. It's basically a thin bar of metal with two handles on either side attached to a swiveling round piece of metal kind of similar to what you might find in say a barbershop chair. It's for individuals who have I would say minor balance issues and it's usually only marketed to to it looks like elderly people most of the time but it is used for people who just have a little bit of trouble transferring and need some extra support. Um, basically, from what I see here, you stand on the swivelly part and you hold on to the to the handles, and it slowly swivels you into a pivot position so you can sit down into a better chair. This is not something I'll ever be able to use, and I have no idea what it would feel like. Uh, but if you if if you I think if your disabled lover wanted the opportunity to stand up. And look at you or stand up and make out with you if they had if they just needed a little bit of help with balance or they had temporary disabilities or they were a temporary wheelchair user or a, a non-ambulatory wheel uh, or an, sorry an ambulatory wheelchair user this device could be something they could easily access you'd want to be careful though because the sit to stand devices I'm told can be unreliable and that they can swivel really quickly and uncontrollably and this could be rather unpleasant if you were making out with your partner and they violently <laughs> I wrote down it would be really uncomfortable if you were making out with your partner and they violently <laughs> pivoted away from you you don't want to be, you don't want your lover to be making out with you and have them abruptly pivot away from you nobody wants that so if you're looking into this device to like to maybe make out and st and stand up with your partner while you do it. The sit-to-stand devices started about 400 US dollars. And it's a good way also to just, just to help your partner transfer to bed if they want to, if they're able to bear some weight. Another thing that I saw that was a transfer device that some disabled people use 
that can help you get your disabled partner into bed is using a simple transfer belt. It's basically, and quite simply, it's a belt that attaches to your waist or to your disabled partner's waist, and then you help them bear weight or you move them using the belt. So a lot of the images that I saw were people with the transfer belts around their waist kind of standing up sort of on their tippy toes as they're being transferred with their able-bodied person behind them, guiding them for support. Um, and I think if you're, if you're a disabled person and you can bear some weight in your legs, or your disabled lover can bear some weight in their legs, um, if you're the able-bodied partner, you might want to explore sex standing up this way. I would suggest you can support them in the transfer belt as you engage in frontal or anal sex by holding them to you with the transfer belt. And this could be a really fun way to try sex in a different position. I love me my dead turtle position, my one position that I have to have sex with in, but being fucked standing up or fucked in a different position could be really interesting. And a transfer belt could be one of the ways to, to try to engage in that. Alright, so that's the most common transfer options that I found for you to help your disabled lover get into bed. The manual transfer, the Hoyer lift, the ceiling lift, the turner, and the transfer belt. If you have a suggestion on how your lover helps you get into bed or how you've been helped into bed before, or if you're a non-disabled person who has helped somebody into bed in a different way than I, than I suggested here, please get in touch. I want to talk about it. I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. You can email me at disabilityafterdark@gmail.com. Again, you can support the Patreon at the $1 or $5 level to keep this show going at patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Stay comfy, cozy, and crippled, and we'll be back next time. Thanks, friends. Bye. All right, friends. This has been another edition of Disability After Dark the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. I'm, of course, your number one queer cripple and your disabled Dick Smith host, Andrew Gerza. If you like what you heard today and you want to follow my work and find out more about what I do, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow the podcast directly, you can head over to Twitter and punch in DisAftDarkPod and follow us there. If you want to contact the show with a show idea, a guest idea, a comment, or complaint, you can head over to your email and email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening to this latest edition of Disability After Dark, and we'll be here to shine a bright light on more things really soon. Thanks, everybody. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Music was by Music by Space Robot Scientists. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Notice 2020